The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. What if the host suddenly became the person being interviewed? What if the guest became the questioner instead? Welcome to IN's NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm the person who's usually the host, Lee Whitting. Today's show, though, is something different. I, I originally called Stacy Chase to ask her to be a guest on the show to find out more about how ideas like the awareness of NDEs spread through society. Stacy turned the tables on me, and she's going to be the interviewer in, instead of me. Stacy Chase is an award-winning journalist, writer, and co-poetry editor of a literary quarterly. During her eclectic career, she has worked for a dozen newspapers and magazines in five states, but now lives outside Portland, Maine, and primarily covers northern New England, Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont. Stacy serves as a poetry editor at the Cafe Review, a nationally known poetry quarterly. She is currently at work on a book-length memoir. Her work has appeared in the Boston Globe magazine, the Christian Science Monitor, Newsweek, Poets and Writers, Vermont Life, Yankee Magazine, and many other publications. Stacy, welcome to NDE Radio. Thank you, Lee. Um, so now, as I said in my introduction, you're going to grill me. <laughs> <laughs> grill is a, a harsh word, but uh, I do have some questions for you. Well, you're a tough reporter, so do your best. All right. Well, you know, as a writer with a lifelong interest in paranormal phenomena, one of the things that has always struck me is the consistency of the stories told by those who have had a near-death experience. You know, and this has uh, resulted in a kind of, you know, gentle mockery about having dialogues with God and, quote, going into the light. And I want to know to what... uh to what do you attribute this agreement or harmony between NDE accounts? Hmm. Well, actually, when I first started thinking about um, NDEs, I was uh, I, I often wondered why they weren't more uniform, because um, I was hearing stories about um, all the all the different experiences that people have. Um, I think one of the reasons that it sounds the same when people tell the story briefly. Is because there's a deficiency in the language as to what they saw and what they did. And uh, going into the light can represent a lot of things for people. I had, I had a story the other day from a nurse who said, um, who's a patient in the hospital, but she said she had at one time done CPR on a, on a woman who had, uh, whose heart had stopped, brought her back. Now, this woman was a musician, and she said to the nurse, Please don't bring me back if I should, if my heart should stop again. She said, the music I heard over there was the most wonderful music I have ever heard. And I, hmm. I want to go back and hear it again. Her reference that might have been described as the, the light of God's love for her as a musician was the, was the music of God's love. So I think sometimes it's our brain trying to interpret what our soul has experienced. But you know there are a lot of there are a lot of differences too. Um, the the basic description is that you go into a you you come out of your body. That's the opening um, 
description. And then typically you go through a tunnel. And it's really interesting because the medieval uh, painter Hieronymus Bosch painted a painting of this tunnel going into the light with angels and uh, some naked people, you know, souls passing on through. And it's sure. it's very much like that painting is, is so much like what um, what people describe that I think uh, Hieronymus Bosch must have had the same kind of experience. Then typically if, if you uh, come into a beautiful field, for instance, which is what um, – um, the soldier Ur describes there's a, there's a wonderful near death experience quite complete in uh, Plato's Republic about a soldier named Ur who dies and he comes to a beautiful field um, then uh, other people have described seeing a crystal city in the distance and, uh, and in some ways it's very much like the Wizard of, of Oz because uh, and, and many saints, mystics of the Middle Ages uh, who did not necessarily have an NDE described I think Teresa of Avila had the same kind of vision of a crystal city then they might meet friends or see angels or some even see Jesus um, or another religious representation of whatever their faith believes in and then of course there are dark experiences too but um, generally speaking, yes, people say uh, going into the light because I think that's what they're doing. They're just going into the light. Well, you actually picked up on two things, uh, two questions I had for you. Uh, I'll hit the first one first. Uh, you had mentioned the deficiency of language. And uh, so often people who have had a near-death experience claim that they can't put it in words. And yet they try, <laughs> and believe me, yes. as a writer, you know, I'm painfully aware that even the best writing can only approximate an experience. In your opinion, how close or far do words come in capturing a near-death experience for the outsider? Well, the, the language is deficient, for sure. Um, mystics uh, have said the same, um, and this is the typical way it happens. Somebody has an experience that is so... A mind-boggling, literally mind-boggling, that they are astounded by it, and uh, they want to describe it to people if they're not too embarrassed or shy about it, or if they're not put down by it, which is a whole other topic. Uh, it's really why the IANS was founded, was to encourage people to talk about their near-death experiences. But then to, in order to uh, satisfy this tremendous urge They'll say, no words can describe how beautiful this was. And then they'll talk for hours <laughs> trying to find the words to describe it, even though they know they're not going to be able to completely succeed in doing that. And I think maybe some of the um, uh, trying to find a parallel that, that you know listeners might uh, understand, uh, people who have taken LSD, for instance, have had experiences where they say, uh, I, I suddenly saw the world for the first time. Uh, I looked at a flower and it wasn't just a flower. It was the, it was the heart of God or something like that. Um, that's not exactly what they think they're saying. Uh, that, that's not exactly what they saw either, but they're trying to say it. And, and in so many words, that's, you know, that's all you can do. Well, now you mentioned something interesting too. Um, and it's, it's remarkable to me that those who have had a near-death encounter almost almost universally claim the experience was life-affirming and beautiful. And I'm wondering that, you know, in your work as a hospital chaplain who has been at the bedside of dying patients and, and as host of the show, 
what would you say is the percentage of people who have a bad NDE? And, and if God is a loving God, how do you, how do you explain that? Well, uh, this is always a problem. Uh, I have talked to people who've had NDEs that were uh, very bleak. Um, mm. It's unusual, and oftentimes it's um, it's something that if you if you're there long enough, if you, if you stay with it long enough, or even if you call out to God to to help you, um, the darkness disappears. One man I talked to described it like being closed in in a clamshell. That he was in the dark, going into deeper dark and being cut off from other people, from light, from love. And uh, it, it was quite terrifying for him. And in fact, when he came back, he did a lot of things to change his life because he felt like he owed it to himself to uh, to improve, to be more generous and more loving in his life so that he wouldn't have to go through that again. Other people have said, um, "I it was dark at first. And it was scary at first, but I, but I kept looking and I saw this light in the distance. And so it's almost like the, uh, bardo in the Tibetan Book of the Dead. It's a path that you have to follow. And sometimes the path is longer for some than for others through the darkness to the light. Um, but, um, there's a, you know, there's a really great book by, um, uh, Nancy Evans Bush called Dancing Past the Dark. She, Living a very good, you know, life had an, uh, a, what they call a distressing NDE, a DNDE. And, um, she's been very, uh, I wouldn't say obsessed by <laughs> DNDEs ever since, but she has certainly been the authority on it. She has a blog and so forth. So if anyone would like to learn more about that, uh, I would, I would highly recommend uh, Dancing Past the Dark. Uh, yeah, of course, last week's guest, uh, the Reverend Peter Panagor, spoke about the hell he experienced um, of reliving all the pain he'd caused others, even unintentional pain, from, from their point of view during his NDE. And that certainly sounds like hell to me. Um, <laughs> so I guess uh, I guess that is a part of the pathway, as you were saying. You had to go through that hell in order to get to the, the light. Well, that's right, and and um, part of a lot of the uh, um, NDEs that people have involve... Um, a life review. In fact, mm. that's that's been a common part of the of the you know life and death tradition even long before people start talking about NDEs. You know, they say I saw my life passing before my eyes. Yep. That fra- that phrase is literally true. It's uh, people describe it as being like uh, watching a movie of yourself. The thing that's so intense about it is that. Y- you're not only are you seeing and feeling objectively what happened, you are also feeling from the other person's point of view how you might have hurt them, how you might have uh, disappointed them or injured them, even if you didn't realize at the time that you were doing that, but even more so if you were intentionally, you know, deceiving someone or hurting them in some way. I think in a, in a way, jumping back for a moment, some of the darkness that um, people go through it's not because God doesn't love them. It's because they are self-judging themselves from their life review, and they feel that they're not worthy to go into uh-huh. the light. Hmm. Well, uh, you know, as you know, many scientists and others believe that a near-death experience is, you know, nothing more than a chemical reaction of a dying brain. What proof do you have that that isn't the case? Well, I know that's been the that's been the, the way scientists have looked at this for a long time. I think what it is basically is a 
the problem that science can't deal with notions of soul or higher consciousness because it's just not it hasn't been in the in the, the purview of science to to talk about these things and, me, and as a consequence many scientists have become agnostic or um they, they just write that they write that off altogether as being nothing that they can know more about so they're not interested in in pursuing it um the thing that's that makes this um ridiculous in fact is the many many cases of what they call veridical evidence provable evidence that the person was not just lying on the gurney um slowly dying but that they had had they they'd come out of their body their soul had had an out of body experience and had was up by the ceiling especially in operating rooms this happens watching while the doctors try to bring the the heart back to life while they try to start the heart again and people report oh well doctor i saw you uh yell at the nurse that she wasn't giving you the right instrument and um another case was um they could never find the guy's false teeth <laughs> because they had taken them out for the operation and he said oh well i saw her i saw the nurse put them in that drawer over there how would he have known that being unconscious on the table the most famous case like that is a woman who said oh while i was out of my body i saw there is a sneaker on the fifth floor ledge of the hospital building out outside the window on the ledge i recall this story yes and and uh, everyone said well that's ridiculous because they couldn't see it from any logical location she insisted she described it the color how the laces were and so forth finally i think somebody got a ladder or climbed up on the roof or something and looked down and by golly there it was so cases like that cases where people have come out of their body and traveled miles to hear conversations their family is having the, the, their family members are having about them in the hospital um demonstrate you know and then they come back later and say well grandma i heard you say you'd given up smoking but you were going out of the hospital to have a cigarette because you were so <laughs> upset things that they could never possibly have known unless they'd been there um demonstrate uh that uh, this is not just a, a chemical experience so the proof is in the anecdotal stories very much so yeah very much so and but they're they're uh, amazingly accurate um now they've tried to design some tests uh they've placed things in in high parts of the room where a patient wouldn't see them coming into the operating room for instance in hopes that patients when they if they should have an out of body experience will say oh yes i i saw that you had a you know some object or other up on the top of a cabinet you know on the right hand side of the room and then they would you know they've tried to set these test cases up they haven't been terribly successful with that because you know it it all depends on what you notice you know just like any under any circumstances you wouldn't necessarily be looking for something on top of the cabinet but you might be very fascinated by what the doctor is saying about your chances of being revived yes i think that would probably be my interest at that moment <laughs> yes <laughs> so when you reflect on your own near-death experience lee as well as on other stories you've heard how do you differentiate between an nde and a conscious process akin to say a lucid dream or for that matter even an ordinary dream hmm. there is something so intense about the experience that almost everyone that's had it 
uh, does not identify it as a dream unless they are so doubting of their their own potential for having a mystical experience that they can't um, <coughs> excuse me that they can't uh, justify it any other way than by saying it was a dream. I I uh, had a conversation. Well, it is. It's just you just know that it wasn't a dream. Uh, in most cases. Now, in some cases, I think people who think they had a dream, they might have had a, an out-of-body experience. If they write it off as a dream, they might um, never mention it because it didn't have that much of an impact on them. But people that talk about NDEs always talk about uh, there's a, a luminous quality to it that that just um, is very, very powerful. Um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think... Um, so it has a luminosity to it? Well, it can. It, certainly if you cross into the light, that's one of the ways they describe this field that people come into, that um, it's a field, but it, it is more, uh, it's, it has this glow to it. It's, it's like emanations of God. As, as actually, you know, when you think about it, we, we probably all are. There was um, a story about a woman who, who saw this beautiful flower growing in this, in this, glowing field she picked the flower and and as as she broke it off she realized that it was losing its its luminosity and so she set it back on the ground and immediately was back in touch with the source and and uh revived (laughs) (laughs) so there's that there's um there's also um if you if you come back with Information that you didn't have before, uh, as we were talking about earlier, that too makes you think uh, this was no dream. You, 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 sometimes people learn amazing things about themselves and about others while they're out of their bodies. And so that, of course, would also verify the fact to you as well as to anyone you're talking with that, uh, that this was no ordinary dream. Now, you mentioned out-of-body experiences in terms of the people undergoing surgery and, and, you know, flying out of their body and looking down on, on their, you know, operation taking place. Um, both near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences explore what happens when the soul leaves the body. Um, what is the difference between the two, and, and how do they relate to, say, other mystical experiences? Okay, um... Well, there's been some speculation that NDE was not, near-death experience was not the best way to describe what happens. I actually tend to want to defend it as, as, um, because what we're talking about is ultimately crossing over. Whether you have a, an NDE that doesn't even involve your health condition at all, people have mystical experiences, they have, uh, near-death experiences, they have out-of-body experiences, but the NDE is the experience that really takes you through the tunnel and into the light, or at least gives you a, a, a glimpse that the, the tunnel and the light are real. Out-of-body experiences are much more basic, and people can even train themselves to do this on a regular basis. There are, there's a, there are schools you can go to. There's a school in New York City where you can study how to have an out-of-body experience. And people do this, and where they find themselves is, sometimes very interesting. They don't see the light. They don't see the tunnel. And it's almost as if they're in that realm that we would ordinarily describe as being the ghostly realm 
on earth. They see other spirits. They see um, possibly other people who are having out-of-body experiences, but also dead spirits, people who are stuck here in this world um, trying to figure out something, trying to reconcile something or watch over someone, uh, people who are addicted to um, some something or somebody, uh, and also people that don't even realize they're dead. Um, one example uh, that this fellow told me about, he said, you can go into a bar in an out-of-body experience. Your soul can go into a bar. And you will see dead souls who were addicted to alcohol standing next to someone alive drinking a drink, and they will copy the motion of raising a glass to your mouth. They're like shadows of the of the living drinker because they are so addicted to the the society and the the motions. Of course, they can't get drunk. They can't drink, but they are addicted to all of the habits of of an alcoholic, and so, so they're stuck. An, they're they're stuck there. So it's like a heightened sensitivity then. The, uh, the out of, you mean the out of body experience? Yes. Uh, it's no, it's a spiritual experience because you are your soul is actually out there communing with other souls. You can talk to other souls. Um, okay. Did you ever see the TV show Ghost Whisperer? I I think I saw a few of the episodes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, these are spirits who you know. This is a it's fictional, but it's about this woman who had the ability to see these spirits, and. Uh, and they had situations, and she was trying to help them solve the situation and go into the light. Well, there are there like Marley's ghost in in uh, a Christmas Carol. There are souls that are stuck here for one reason or another, and until they work out what their situation is, they uh, they'll be here. They can be here for for years and years and years. Now, given that you're an ordained congregational minister, Lee. Why do you think mainstream religions have not done more to investigate near-death experiences in order, you know, to prove the existence of God? Wouldn't it go a long mm. way toward doing that? Yes, it would. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem is that many religions have a vested interest in uh, controlling our relation to God. Um, the Catholic Church, for instance, as much as it honors its saints and its mystics once they're dead and gone has always put heavy restraints on what they could do and say while they were alive. Um, churches don't want people to have independent spiritual lives because it erodes their authority, to be perfectly frank. Um, this is true in orthodox religions. It's true in fundamental religions. Uh, they're very interested in controlling behavior. Um, they're interested in community, which is a good thing, because if we all were off having simply having mystical experience we'd probably never be um, uh, so organized as to cooperatively help other people I think we certainly would go out and help other people in the, as individuals but churches have have done um, a lot for society along those lines feeding the poor and and the um, housing the homeless and and um, you know providing clothing and all of the things that, that they do as social work is very good. And also, uh, cooperative uh, worship is a wonderful thing. Uh, 
having a choir, just making a choir to 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 sing beautiful music um, to honor God is a, is a wonderful thing. But the dark side of religion is that they're interested in um, authority, rules and regulations. Uh, they're inter- very interested in tithing. Uh, televangelists are all about tithing. All they want you to do is, you know, they'll say a few words on TV and then they'll be into the next commercial for uh, bringing in money. Uh, this wouldn't work if everybody was an independent, mystical, uh, uh, communicant with God on their own. And so religions are, are quite, they worry a lot about, about, um, NDEs because they're, um, they can't control it. Uh, also, they can't say you only go to heaven if you're a Christian or you'll only go to heaven if you're a, a Muslim because according to the NDE experience, uh, heaven is open to, to everyone. Which may expl- explain somewhat um, my sense that religious orthodoxy is, is waning in popularity, though spiritualism and other traditions of esoteric thought seem to be filling that void. Do you, do you think it's as simple as the fact that as people, as creatures that die, we need to believe that consciousness survives physical death? Well, it certainly uh, it certainly uh, takes away um, a lot of stress and fear if you believe that your soul is going to survive what, when your body is dying. Uh, in fact, it's very healing. I've seen many people in the hospital over the years who um, who with faith have healed faster than those who who do not believe that there's a God or an afterlife. Um, you would think almost that, well, if you believe there's an afterlife, you wouldn't be so worried about your physical health. But the stress of of um, the fear of death without without relief, because you don't have any fear, basic uh, faith in an afterlife, is a killer. And people die faster if they don't believe in God than if they do. So what do accounts of near-death experiences offer the non-believer? Oh, it's uh, it's tremendously reassuring. When they hear stories, and I use this as a chaplain in the hospital all the time, with people that aren't tied to a, any particular uh, faith, um, I tell them stories, real stories, that have happened um, to other patients, and... Um, all of a sudden, it begins to open uh, their eyes as to the possibility of an afterlife. Uh, it's it's been a, it's a remarkably healing tool, and my interest now is uh, beyond my own practice as a chaplain is to get other chaplains to start using NDEs to to um, comfort their patients because it's very it's a very powerful tool for um, for healing, spiritual and physical healing. Mm. Um. Finally, if, if we had irrefutable knowledge of life after death, if, if it could be proved beyond a doubt, how do you imagine it would impact society as a whole? Would the fear of death vanish? Would you know suicide rates go up? Would love be enhanced? I mean, what if we knew that no one was ever really lost to anyone else? Well, if, hopefully uh, we would be a much healthier society, much kinder society, we'd realize that uh, our values should be more oriented toward uh, the love of God and one another. The same things that Jesus taught, basically. I think suicide rates would drop because the world would be less oppressive and less cruel. Um, 
I think there'd, uh, it would be a happier place to be and a less greedy place to be. People would realize that money is not the answer to, to all their needs. Um, and, uh, I think people would live their lives differently. And, and it's one of the th- reasons that I would like to see everyone that's had a, a near death experience to talk about it, to, to let people know that it happened to them and it can, it will happen to them. And, um, it's, it's, uh, it's really, it's really a vision of the truth that should be talked about um, as much as possible. And what do you think it would take to convince a skeptical public that NDEs are real? I think it's um, it's interesting because uh, you know people go through fads, they go through ways of seeing things, uh, and you know it's you get an idea that's popular for a while. You, this could happen if if. Not enough people talk about their near-death experiences. Uh, you could have people say, oh, well, you know, that was yesterday's news. But in fact, it's, it's today's reality. And if everyone, you know, the 15 or 20 percent of people who've had near-death experiences or mystical experiences were willing to talk about it, uh, and spread the word, it would become a reality that will transcend, uh, religious faith, I believe. I guess we're just about, just going to say we're just about out of time, Stace. Oh, well, that went quickly. (laughs) It did indeed. Did you have one last one or? Uh, yeah, I was just wondering about the why, uh, now. Why are people now risking ridicule and talking openly about the other side? You know, what's the urgency of now? Oh, I think it's happening now because more and more people are being resuscitated. You've got more and more and more reports of near-death experience because our technology, our medical technology has so improved that now people code in the hospital all the time and are brought back. And so many more stories are, are making themselves apparent. Sace, we're out of time and I'm going to have to close the show. Sadly, this has been fun. Uh, maybe you could come back and grill me again sometime. I'd like to thank our guest host, Stacy Chase, for turning the tables on me today. If you would like to listen to the show again or any other of our other programs, please visit our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about IANDS, please check that website at iands.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>